Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Turf Talk Thursdays, episode 11 of season 2 of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. Man, I'm doing this Turf Talk Thursday on Friday. It's been a long week, mostly in a good way. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff coming down the pipe, a lot of exciting things, whether involved in football or outside of the game of football, but all of it's exciting. But I want to get this Turf Talk Thursday out. This is an interesting week because it's structured very oddly. This is week 16 of the NFL season, and it's all over the place. There's a Thursday night game. There's a bunch of Saturday games. There are Sunday games which are being played on Christmas Day, and even a Monday night football game. Well, since I'm doing it on Friday, I did not get you the Thursday information uh, for the Thursday game. And you know what? Wouldn't have helped you anyway. Um... I will give you what I thought was going to happen. And then I don't have any confidence scores with it because it doesn't make any sense to have that. But I will give you my thoughts on what was going to happen. And then also give you the line that was associated with the game when it opened. uh, When it closed, I should say. And also the over-under. So, basically here's what I thought was going to happen in the game. I thought I was going to get two teams that are doing really well with differing sides of the ball. Uh, the Jets are playing excellent defense with uh, pretty good offense, usually. And the Jaguars are playing uh, great, above good, probably great is a way to put their offensive late. And pretty good defense. Nothing to write home about, but also not nearly as bad as it was at certain points. Early in the year, they're starting to come together. All of that coming together. I don't want to get into the details of this game because since it's already over. Basically, I thought the Jaguars, Jags would pull off a close one. Uh, a low-scoring contest, 20-17. to 17. I just thought that I trusted the quarterback on one side of the ball more than the other, even though I think the teams were pretty even with the Jets being, honestly, a better team if the quarterback was replaced. The line on the game was the Jets by 2.5, and, and I think it agreed because I think it opened up at a higher rate. And then, obviously, Mike White's not the quarterback, so Zach Wilson started. So that line might have moved. And then the over-under was 36.5. I technically had the over by a half a point. Again... It makes me feel weird, but also makes me feel good when I do a prediction and then I see the over-under and the over-under on my predictions are really close. Same thing with the uh, the spread, but especially the over-unders. Those make me feel really good about how I judge the game uh, and how it came together. But let's get down to the conversation that we want to talk about. If you watched the game last night, man. So I'm going to say these things about the young man, uh, Zachariah Wilson, Zach Wilson. And here's how I'm going to structure because I will not say anything negative about him personally because I don't know him as a person. I'm going to keep it to football. And I'm going to start here. Again, fans, I'm sure they're going to say a lot of negatives. Um, Not exactly the greatest thing, but I get it. Being a fan, as long as you don't go too far, I get it. But it's a pretty telling situation when you're getting booed as soon as you hit the field. Now, not the first drive. He didn't get booed until he started looking terrible, which was the second drive. Um, I don't know Zach Wilson as a person, but I've already made the statement that the behaviors have come off with an air of entitlement um, or arrogance. And that's all fine. And there's a lot of people out there who say they feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for him. I just don't want to 
It's not kicking why he's down. I want to make accurate statements. The accurate statement is Zach Wilson is not football competent. Not right now. That doesn't mean ever. That doesn't mean at some point he wasn't. He doesn't look football competent. Case in point. So I made a post on one of my social medias, uh, one that I trust a little more than Twitter since I'm now off that, um, where you can have a conversation with normal humans that aren't bots and also people who won't say ridiculous stuff like someone who told me something. Well, I'll just put it like this, where you can have normal conversations. Even if you disagree, someone won't be completely rude. They'll have conversations with you. Um, And I made mention of the last two quarterbacks that were picked by the Jets. I didn't agree with either. The first one, Darnold, I didn't think Darnold was worth a a top five pick. Darnold to me was basically a newer version of, maybe a slightly better version of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I didn't see it. And we've seen what he is. He's Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's not negative. That's, That's an NFL spot starter. But you don't take those in the top five. And then Zach Wilson, my biggest issue wasn't that Zach Wilson wasn't talented. I ranked him with a pretty good grade because of his talent. It it was because Justin Fields existed. And I don't know why the hell you would ever take Zach Wilson over Justin Fields if you're trying to actually win games. Unless you just have some sort of agenda that's outside of the guise of trying to win. Which is the only reasonable assessment for a team to do that. So maybe the Jets don't believe in winning. But I digress. Specific to Zach Wilson. There was a play early in the game where, and I didn't look back at it, so I'm going to go from memory. It was a third, second down, I believe. It was like a second down. Whether it was second or third, either way. I think it was second down, pretty certain. And Garrett Wilson was to the bottom of the screen, so he was on the right side of the offense. And the corner was heels on 10. So he was 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. So he's basically at the first down mark. This might have even been first down. Um, Zach Wilson threw the ball to him. Here's the problem. This is a simple read. If in this situation someone is 10 yards off you and they start to backpedal, you open up. You get to five, stop. Stop your driving, open up. Give a target to the quarterback. People know this in high school People know this in college, in the NFL. Zach Wilson threw the ball as if he was, he almost threw it straight to the cornerback. I knew right then that something was wrong with Zach Wilson as far as his competence for football. Right, he, this That was easy. Like that, that one was an easy one. That's an easy, like, Garrett Wilson saying, say, bruh. I see this. You got to see this. And this is an easy pitch and catch. And give me some yards. We can get in a rhythm. And he didn't do it. And, and the whole game, it, it almost looked like a dude who honestly was just signed off the street. I don't know if he competently knows the playbook. And I don't mean that he can't read it. I don't mean that. I mean that he knows what he's supposed to do. It's bad. It's really bad. It's a bad situation. Now, what I do feel sorry for him about is I don't think he has a 1% chance to make it in New York City. That mark is going to eat him alive. That, I feel slightly bad for him. But in general, I don't really feel bad for him because it doesn't look like he's putting the work. You can either 
be it or see it. What do I mean by that? It's super easy to say a bunch of stuff and adages and even do a little outreach to say that you're doing the the hard work. Because I've heard that he's reached out to old quarterbacks that were in his position and tried to get some, some insight and stuff like that. I don't think that that was helpful because having heard people who honestly I respect that were not him, but maybe because they feel sorry for him having been in the position of being quarterback, uh, having heard Alex Smith and Steve Young uh, defend him and say that they haven't looked out for him, the Jets. First off, if I'm misquoting them, because I'm not trying to quote them, uh, misrepresenting them, then I'm wrong, but no, they haven't. Alex Smith, first off, you and Zach Wilson are not the same, like, at all. I'll go on record and say as people, but from a football perspective, you struggle, you bust the tail to get better. Now, I'm not saying Zach Wilson's not doing some work, but not enough. Steve Young, you came up in an era where they didn't believe in you. You got traded away from the Bucks uh, because you played too much like a certain style that in a certain comment that was probably, I believe, was made to you that they didn't like. You're not Zach Wilson. They, they, they made sure to look at his pro day and, oh, my goodness, look at this throw and all this stupidly missing that they should have looked at that tape from 2019 instead of just looking at the 2020 when he was playing seven on seven. Um. Zach Wilson isn't getting to the root of the issue. The root of the issue is you, bro. You have to figure out how to be better as you on that field. You play a sport where it is not a joke. It's not hyperbolic. It has happened. Maybe I don't know how many on the NFL field, but I know people personally who have died playing football. So you have the lives of your receivers and the rest of your teammates in your hands when you're making some of these stupid throws. And you know they're stupid because, man, you're not a dumb guy. But some of these things are just the decisions are terrible. You look incompetent out there. Like, I was livid watching that game. And you know how good your teammates are and how much they want you to succeed. I saw Gary Wilson come over to you late in the game, like after you already benched for a struggler. They probably like you. You're probably a likable guy to them in general. But on that field, bro, you got you you can't touch the field ever again this season. Ever. Like the rest of 2022, you can't touch the field. They have to make you inactive again and hope Mike White is fine. They had to put Strebler in. And this man went out and looked better than you. And this man has an nth of your talent. Now I'm being facetious here, like clearly I have an nth of your talent as a quarterback he's got like 70 60% maybe of your talent and that man looked better a dude who wasn't even on the on the team you're the number two overall pick man you gotta do actual work to fix you you can't just go do this surface level stuff in the sea you can't do the I'm giving something, I'm giving a dollar to a homeless person because I'm around my friends. You have to do that shit with no one paying attention. So the work that you're putting in that people know about, be candid, no one should know about the actual work you're putting in. You don't need to be calling old quarterbacks. What do I do here? 
dude, figure out how to not, first off, figure out how to get into the doggone playbook. But secondly, figure out how to not be you on the field. You got to break that all down, deconstruct it. Because once you deconstruct that, then you're going to be able to be yourself because you'll stop thinking and trying to do all sorts of ridiculous stuff. And the ridiculous stuff will just come because it's just part of you. Patrick Mahomes, great example. Josh Allen, great example. And you'll probably never be those guys. Same point in time, you got something to you. You got some talent. I've seen the talent. I just didn't trust the quarterback. And I was given good reason to. But now I know I was given great reason to. And kudos again. Not trying to blow too much smoke, but I also know this guy's not going to take smoke being blown. Trevor Lawrence is coming along quite well. I'm glad to see the progression that he's making as well as Justin Fields is making out of that class. Mac Jones, I feel bad for you. I wish you had better leadership in your organization, and it's hard to say that about the Patriots. And Trey Lance, I have no clue what to think. Bro, I hope you, I hope things change for you. All right, sorry. I just that that game was so painful to watch. But I want to get into the rest of the games because that just that game set me off negatively last night. And I don't want to be in a negative space watching football, especially when it's almost over. I hope people realize this. We have six weeks of football left. That's counting the Super Bowl. Yeah, week 17, week 18, because we're in week 16 right now. We're in week 16. It's already happening. All right. I mean, six more weeks going forward of football. All right. So games played on Christmas Eve. We're going to start with the 1 p.m. games. And speaking of Justin Fields, his team is going to be hosting the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. This is going to be an interesting uh, scenario because it's supposed to be negative something. Let's say like negative seven or something like that. Late to 11. Silly wind chill, 15 mile an hour sustained winds with gust up to 40 miles an hour. Crazy wind and and, and and weather. I was up in Chicago last weekend. And up in Chicago last weekend, it wasn't even nearly as bad as it's going to be this weekend. And it was still bitter cold. It was still windy as hell. And I can't imagine how it's going to be on that field. But you're going to get to see two dynamic guys do things that are crazy in this one. I think this will be more of a back-and-forth game played in between the 30s than people think. I think this is going to be a game where shank kicks and ridiculousness are really going to come into play. I think this is going to be a game that, honestly, will be won by the team that makes fewer mistakes. And when you sit there and say this, you would say that the Bears would probably make more mistakes, but the guy more apt to make mistakes at quarterback is Josh Allen because that's what also makes him great. Walking that line. I think there's less mistakes made by Justin Fields in general now because Justin Fields doesn't take as many chances because Justin Fields isn't as comfortable taking chances throwing the ball. I'm saying all this to say this. I do believe the Bills are going to win this one. I think it's going to be an odd game. I think it'll be kind of fun to watch if you just want to watch guys get hit. (laughs) But I got the Bills winning this one 22 to 15. And I don't expect the kicks to really come into play here. I think two-point conversions made and missed are going to be some of the things uh, that come down to it. Maybe a field goal or two gets in, but in general, it's just going to be a, a, a sloppy in some way game, but it will be entertaining. Um, so that was my score that I predicted. Uh, Seven-point victory for the Bills. 
the Buffalo Bills are eight-point favorites, so I have a confidence level of four that the Bears are going to cover because I don't know. The Bills are the better team. They just are. So I only have a confidence level of four, but I do have the, the Bears covering that. And then the over-under is 40.5. I have the under here with 37 combined points. I have a confidence level of seven on this. I just think that this is the type of game that there could be some long touchdowns broken, and that's how they're going to win. But kicks, they're going to be few and far between. I think you're going to get more monitoring of kicks with that wind where a team might go for it on fourth down when they're at their twenty at the 25 instead of trying to kick a field goal uh, and do stuff like that. And that'll lower the score of the game. I think in windy games, that w- that's what happens a lot. I'd rather uh, get the over in like a snowy game that's not windy, but a windy game that's not, you know, that's where it really gets screwed up because there's not kicking that happens adequately or accurately. Hell, Justin Tucker missed a normal field goal last week during a, a, a rainy kind of windy day and then got another one blocked. All right, going to move on to the Saints and the Browns and what could also be not only the same type of conditions, but with worse play because huh, the offenses, oh my goodness. This could be a big day for both running backs, both Nick Chubb, who is beast, one of the best running backs as a pure runner in the NFL, um, him, Jonathan Taylor, uh, those are probably the two. Yes, Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry just, it takes him some 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 start, stop, but yeah. And then you look on the other side, Alvin Kamara, he's going to get peppered with the ball, whether it's in the screen game and getting quick passes out because they don't want to throw the ball down the field, or just running against that porous run defense from Cleveland. I think this will be another game where kicks are going to be the awkward portion of things. And I think that there's not going to be a lot of actual scoring. So I have the Browns winning this one 17-50. I'm laughing because that's the score that popped in my head. Not a joke. And sometimes maybe I saw something somewhere before I made this score. But you'll find out in a second why I laughed about that. Cleveland's a three-point favorite. I have the Saints covering by a point because I have them losing by two points. I have a conference level of three on that. I actually think Cleveland could, could dominate this game. I think part of the Saints have given up. And then you have Andy Dalton, at quarterback, who has played really well for coming in as a backup. Andy Dalton's done a really good job for coming in as a backup. He has. He's handled it well. He's been an adult. Good for him. But this is not the game for Andy Dalton. Because Andy Dalton is running like a 5-1 right now. And it is not good. So you can see Cleveland start to start to stretch the Saints out and the Saints defense finally just give up because it's cold out there and they don't have time for that. The reason I giggled is because, again, 17-15 is what came to mind. A combined score of 32. The over-under is 32 points. So I have a push here. It's weird how these things go. But, yeah, that's what I'm expecting. I hope that I'm wrong here and that the Saints get a W so that we can push for a playoff spot just so we don't give up a top five or seven pick to the Eagles. We get a the 20, 20th or 21st pick, something like that. So let's see what happens. All right. We have the Texans and the Titans up next. The Texans are visiting the Titans in Nashville. It's supposed to be like 12 degrees there during uh, kickoff and it's supposed to be wind chill down to, to zero degrees. Okay. Now, Brian Tannehill is probably out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury. Insert Malik Willis. And I've heard a lot of negatives about Oh, Malik Willis, this and that, and he's not ready. I don't think he's ready either. Guess what, though? This is a better game for Malik Willis to play in than Ryan Tannehill. You want to hear why? 
Well, if we had to put the ball in the air quite a bit against what has been a pretty solid Texans pass defense, I think that the Texans would win this game. I think Ryan Tannehill would put the ball in harm's way. He would not effectively run the ball. And with him not being a run threat, it allows for them to stack and try to divert Derrick Henry. With Malik Willis in his presence, the read option will be a thing. Derrick Henry's going to get his carries. But I actually think that Malik Willis probably rushed the ball for 50-plus yards. I think Derrick Henry still has a great day, probably about a buck fifty. I think his streak of 200-yard games with two touchdowns gets broken. It's at four, which is insane. I think that gets broken. I'm playing against him in a couple of fantasy leagues. I hope that he gets two yards, but he'll probably ball out. I just think Malik Willis will allow him to ball out. And also, he'll get some positive rushing himself. End of the day, the Texans, they can't do much on offense. They really can't do much on offense. Like, they, they, they can't. It's bad enough when they're at home, but they're not even scoring 20 points in a game. Uh, so I don't expect them in this these conditions to do so. I have the Titans winning 20-13. to 13. Titans are only three-point favorites. I have a confidence level of seven on that. Again, they can't stop Derrick Henry, and I think that the element of having Malik Willis be able to run the ball and Josh Dobbs being his backup, I really do think that this gives the opportunity for them to put a bunch of yards up on the ground and control the clock. Um, my combined score is 33. The over-under on this is 33 and a half. Good Lord. I have the under. I have a comments level of six on this. I actually think that the, the under, even though I only have a hook on this, a half point between my score and this one, I could easily see the Titan, uh, the Titans scoring less than 20 and still effectively blowing out the Texans. The Titans, I mean, the Texans have played well because, again, they've played really well stopping, stopping the passing game. There's no passing game. And then again, these conditions, Davis Mills out there, and I wish that young man good luck. These are terrible conditions. Oof. Don't want to get hit by Jeffrey Simmons in these conditions. All right, moving on to a game where you have similar temperatures, but I think you have more uh, of a propensity for the possibility of scoring points. And that's going to be Chiefs and the Seahawks. Ooh, buddy. All right. I actually had Patrick Mahomes is not a must-sit, but I had him as a uh, sit-and-seat type situation on uh, my my fantasy spot this week, which fills in as a must-sit. It's basically because with those temperatures and also what's been going on, I do think that this will be more of an Isaiah Pacheco game because, A, they will protect Patrick Mahomes. I've seen that the Chiefs are being more... uh, They're trying to shield Mahomes from having to do too much but he's doing all of the stuff because they get in trouble but B the Seahawks can't stop a nosebleed on the ground so this is a game where Jerry McKinnon is going to get some carries Pacheco should get a lot of carries and you should see them run the ball at least 30 probably closer to 40 times in this game that's the easy way to do this with Mahomes throwing the ball 20 times Um, but I think they can score doing that and I think the Seahawks will be able to run the ball effectively as well and also get some some uh, some plays downfield with DK Metcalf because Steve Spagnola is not working, man. You're like the defensive version for me of what Greg Roman is, except less frustrating. That defense just doesn't do the job. And people can say, oh, they don't have enough talent. They have requisite talent to be better than they are. It's just that scheme calls for you to have an all-Madden team in the secondary. 
Let me blitz heavy and put everyone in man, all the dog on top. It doesn't work like that, man. You have good you have good players in that secondary, but you have players that cannot play that scheme. And again, I don't know what team can play that scheme. Most recent team was maybe the Jets. The Jets can probably play that scheme, and even they can't play that scheme. So I have this one with a solid score. I have the Chiefs winning 27-21 against the Seahawks. Kansas City is a 10-point favorite. I have the Seahawks covering here with a confidence level of 7. The Chiefs just aren't covering games. I think there's something crazy. I think they're... What is their record? They are 4 and... Like 4 and 9. Or 4 and 10. Yeah, they might be 4 and 10 against the spread. They are 4 and 10 against the spread. They just don't cover spreads. Again, the spreads are set pretty high because they're the Chiefs. But at the same point in time... They don't care about winning by 10. They're looking to win. So they'll take a six-point win. So that's why I have a conference level of seven on this. If the weather was more conducive, maybe I could see them trying to run it up with Mahomes a little bit. But nah, they're just going to try to get out of there with a W and get off that field. Uh, 49 and a half was the over-under. I have the under here because I have a combined score of 48. I have a five on this. I think this is a toss-up. I think that the under is more likely to hit than the over. But I can see big plays happening because of the structure of the Kansas City defense and also the Kansas City offense being innovative and getting guys open. Moving on to the next game, Giants at the Vikings. Giants finally starting to round in a form. And as someone was saying, I heard a statistic where they're blitzing less and less each week as their front four is starting to get more and more pressure. So they don't have to blitz as much. Cool. Cool beans. And while I don't think the Vikings are a great team, I think they're a really good team and they're a dangerous team. I've said this many times. You know what you never want to give someone? A competent person tools. Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. He's just not a good quarterback. Let me correct that. He's not a great quarterback. He's also not a bad quarterback. He's an above average to good quarterback depending on the week. He'll let you down if you think Kirk Cousins is a franchise uh, carrying quarterback. He'll beat you if you think Kirk Cousins is the problem on their offense. Kirk Cousins is just above average. He's the Mendoza line for whether or not you should pay a guy solid money. Worse than Kirk Cousins, don't pay him. Better than Kirk Cousins, pay him. And he's got all that talent. That Minnesota team, I mean, the biggest issue isn't Kirk Cousins. It's the defenses. Woo! We, yikes all right and the Giants the Giants just know who they are it's not great it's not not flashy but it, it's it's annoying you really don't want to do anything with it you don't want to play against that so with all that said here's what I have happening I have the Vikings pulling off another Vikings type Vikings win I'm going to keep saying Vikings for no apparent reason but no the Vikings get this one 25-24 just something silly the Vikings score late after being down virtually the whole game and decide to go for two because why not and just throw the silliest pass ever to Justin Jefferson. He catches with two fingers. Or he goes up to catch it. It comes down and for some reason, Dalvin Cook is right up, right there and catches the, the ricochet. Just something dumb is going to happen and the Vikings will win. That all being said, the Vikings are four-point favorites here because they're at home. So I have a confidence level of five on this. I say go either way. I have the Giants covering here. I can see the Vikings winning this one by more than four because I've seen the Giants 
Again, Daniel Jones has cleaned some of it up, but Daniel Jones still has some fumbling issues, things like that. So that's a pick to me as far as you make the decision. I think that's a almost, that is a perfectly set line for action on both sides. That's what Vegas did. Bravo. That's what they want. They want that rake. They'll, they'll take 50-50 splits all day. And then they over under a 49 and a half. I have the under here. <sighs> Lo and behold, by a half point. All right. So I have a comments level one on here. And here's why. I can see this game being an under game. I can see this game being an over game. I can see this game going either way. Because whatever team is allowed to dictate the game will decide it. If the Vikings will dictate it, it'll be over. If the Giants will dictate it, it'll be an under. But since I have them one point of, of, away from each other, I will stay away from the over-under on this one. This one is, is stupid. Usually you need two competent sides of the ball to justify making a decision. You need two high-powered offenses so they can exceed. You need two staunch defenses so they can come under. But you have two differing styles that also really are winning because they're dictating games. Nah, you got to... I, I would, I would, mm, I would stay away from that one. I, I'd almost, almost bet the second half if I was gonna make a bet on an over/under, at all. All right, gonna move on to the next game, and this one should be kind of interesting, but kind of ugly to watch. It's gonna be the Bengals at the Patriots. Um, long and the short of this is the Patriots are still somehow competent, while being incompetent last week. It's just what they do. That defense will still be pretty competent. The offense, again. I feel bad for Mac Jones. I legitimately feel bad for him because how are you supposed to expect a young man to get better without proper guidance and tools? You know, it's like expecting a a, a, a literal young man, someone 12, 13, 14, trying to come up and not having any sort of you know, counterpart to kind of have conversations with because they've been through it. Sure, sure, sure. You know, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia no football. I actually have never questioned if they know football. I questioned whether or not they deserve to be head coaches. That I, I will not move off of. Um, but what I also question is, are they football minds that can teach a quarterback what he needs to know? Because they haven't been doing this. They know enough to be offensive coordinators. If they were coming in and they were offensive coordinator with Tom Brady already there, and they can learn on the, on the fly... They're supposed to be giving nuanced level stuff to this dude because he's in his second freaking year. So, Max Jones, I actually do feel sorry for you. Guy drafting the same class as you? Nah. And this sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it, folks? When I used to pick on Baker Mayfield, because Zach Wilson reminds me a little bit of Baker Mayfield as well. I don't like dudes who come off as entitled and, 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 un- and lack accountability. I can't stand that. But yeah, this will be an ugly game to me. I think the Bengals will kind of play downish while the Patriots play Patriotish. That's a way to say it. I have the Bengals winning this one 19 to 15. I think that it's this type of game. And it lends itself to just, you know, single digit, kind of close, but the better team is Cincinnati. You'll see that all game and then end up pulling off the victory. Uh, I can see them going for two late to try to push the lead to seven. It only gets to five, but they don't give it up. Bengals are four and a half point favorites. 
I technically have them winning by just a hook by a half a point, but I have a confidence level of six. I think they, they cover the spread. I could see them actually winning by more. It just has one of those feelings with the weather and how things are going. This is going to be one of the least weather affected outdoor games. Um, they're not getting the same type of uh, blasting that the Midwest got. So it might allow for that, that passing offense to really flourish uh, for Cincinnati. Over under 44 and a half. I have the under. And the reason that I only have a confidence level of two, even though I have a combined score of 33 here, which is almost 10 points, the weather is going to really be a thing. If the weather is reasonable, I could see Cincinnati running that score up. I really could. Also, Cincinnati's defense is missing some key pieces. I believe they're missing Hubbard and they're missing some other guys as well. Um, that could be an issue. The Patriots might be able to run the ball down their throat, get some yards, might get a touchdown or two that I didn't expect. All right, moving on to a game that's going to be local here. Lions at the Panthers. I'll make this one simple. The Lions should really do something to the Panthers here. And before I saw the spread, I was like, I think I'm being silly with my prediction here. The Lions should actually come into Charlotte and they should probably win by closer to 10 points. But I said, no, actually, I'm taking the Panthers here by one. I'm taking the Panthers 18 to 17. I just have a feeling that the Panthers are going to play up to the competition this week, knowing that they have a chance to still win the division, and they're going to put it on the line and get a W here against a team that's probably going to the playoffs in the Lions. And the spread's only two and a half points for the Lions. That's a close spread for a team that, honestly, they're cooking right now. And the Panthers aren't. So, yeah, I know it's a home game, but why are they only two and a half point favorites? That's kind of, that's kind of slim. So I have a confidence level of four that... The Panthers will cover that because it's inside that three points. If it was three and a half, I'd have more confidence. But still, I have a feeling, a sneaky feeling, that the Panthers will def- will cover, but also win outright. The over-under here is 43 and a half. I have the under because I have a combined score of 35. It's supposed to be cold here. Um, they're two strong running teams, uh, but you have two risk-averse quarterbacks. That will take the ball out of harm's way, and they'll play close to the vest. So I have the under hitting here by quite a bit. I have a confidence level of six. I say to bet the under here. I think that that's what's going to happen. And again, run-based teams, um, unless you get a lot of explosives, which could happen, but just this weather, I think it'll be less apt to happen. That takes possessions away. You can see two possessions probably removed from this game because the Panthers want to run the ball and the Lions are willing to run the ball. All right, speaking of running the ball, two teams that are two of the top five run-heaviest teams in the NFL this year, and that's the... Atlanta Falcons traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Yes, I made some comments earlier in the week about the Ravens with regards to Lamar Jackson, and I made it on my personal wall. I don't feel like putting some of the stuff on wax as far as my some of my commentary, but what I will say is if they're not going to pay him, once he's double franchised, Lamar, you got to walk and go somewhere else. Because for a unanimous MVP, I believe this to be fact. No player that's won MVP has not been re-upped within two years of winning the MVP. So, yikes. Right? That was 2019. That's 2022. And they still don't have a contract. Yikes. I don't want to get into the ins and outs of that, but there are several teams that I think would fit really well for Lamar Jackson, who's obviously out this week. And I know this is off of the game, but 
whether it's selfishly the Saints, because again, this will be 2024 slash 25, whether it's the Saints, whether it's the Bucks, Falcons, Lions by that time, the Las Vegas Raiders, or not even sneaky. You know where you'll get your money and you will fit in very well. Los Angeles Rams. All right. So in this game, I just feel awkward about this game. I think Tyler Huntley's a, a good quarterback. I think he is above being a backup, but he's not really yet a starter. I think he is a spot starter. That's a good spot starter. He is a Case Keenum type, but they play differently. That's what I think he is. That being the case, he's not Lamar Jackson. And with the requisite pieces around him, he's not good enough to elevate them. So I think that they lose here. I think the Falcons come in, even with Desmond Ritter. I think they effectively run the ball. I think they complete a few passes. I think they have better pieces on offense. And I think the defense will be able to hold on well enough and possibly turn the ball over because, yes, Snoop has been making some some poor choices. And I think in a low-scoring game, the Falcons win 16-13. Uh, Baltimore's a 6.5-point favorite here. I have a confidence level of 9 that they're not going to cover 6.5 points. The Falcons have to screw up royally. I mean, turnovers, multiples, for the Ravens to cover 6.5. The Ravens haven't come close to covering 6.5 of late. Not close. They've either won close or outright lost. So... Trust me, it bothers me to say that the Falcons are going to win a game against the Ravens. That really bothers me to say, but I'm not here to try to say what I like. I'm here to say what I think is going to happen. And that's what I think is going to happen. The over-unders, uh, 34 and a half. I have a combined score of 29 here. Again, I'm going with a pick them here. With run-based teams in bad weather, you never know what's going to happen from a scoring perspective. And when it's low like this, 34 and a half is not a lot of points. I know that both quarterbacks are meh, right? Compared to, you know, you're not seeing Mahomes or Allen or, in this case, even in this game, Lamar Jackson. You're not seeing that echelon or Joe Burrow or any of these guys. You're seeing Huntley or Riddler. Or Ritter. Ritter's a rookie. Huntley is limited, especially because of the weapons around him right now. So I think this is a coin toss game. I can see a breakout run um, that upsets the apple cart and your 34 and a half gets covered with 37 combined points, and it's annoying. Team wins 20, 20 to 17. You're like, what the hell? So, yeah, that's a pick them to me. I personally would uh, go with the under on it, but I'm going to conference level of five on it. Now we're going to move through some of these games real quick. So, we're going to go on to the later slate of games, the four o'clock games. So, we're going to go with the Commanders visiting the 49ers. I feel like this one is easy. I feel like you have a mirror image now that Chase Young is back with how that four-man pass rush gets after folks. It's what's on the opposite side that gives me pause. Okay, so let's start with what the San Francisco 49ers offense can do to that pass rush. They can mitigate it with a lot of motioning guys, but also just how they attack. Them not having upper echelon linebackers, like when they played even the Bucks, that don't fall for the eye candy. And Brock Purdy being just mobile enough, I think they can put up quite a few points on the Commanders. Opposite side, Heineke has been a spark. But the biggest problem is 
the 49ers are going on, so they're on some sort of insane, not only are they not giving up points, but they're not giving up yards. I don't think they have a rusher who's reached 60 yards since Christian McCaffrey in week five. That that's that's stupid. That's just they're they're doing dumb stuff right now. So I have the commanders actually scoring a decent amount of points here, but not coming close to winning. I think the 49ers dominate this game. I have the 49ers 27 to 16. 49ers are six and a half point favorites. I have a confidence level of eight on this. I almost put it at nine. Um, and I, I just ran out of points, to be honest. Uh, I feel really confident that they'll be able to cover this because I just don't think that the commanders can score enough. Um, that 49ers defense is uh, historic. Not a joke. It's historic what they're doing. So kudos to them. The over-under is 37 and a half. I have the over here with a combined score of 43. I have a confidence level of three on this because honestly, this can end up being a 27, but to 10 game. And then, oh my goodness, you lost by the hook because they can score because Heineke couldn't get the ball down the field. So I'm not confident on uh, that over-under. It's too low, especially for a team that I think that's, when you have a team in an over-under that's lower than 40 and you think they're going to put up more than 24 points, Ooh, it's, it's, ooh, oh my goodness. So, well, stay away from that one. But, and what's going to be the America's Game of the Week, unfortunately not as good as it would have been, um, Eagles at the Cowboys. Or is it? I actually, I'm going to go on wax and say this right now. We're going to get a better game because of Jalen Hurts' injury. I had a gut feeling that the Eagles were going to dump truck the Cowboys this upcoming week. Not only because of what Parsons said and all that stuff, but just they're a better team. They're a better team. They function better. Minshew is not that guy. I know people love it. It's cool. There's a certain brand of folk that love the jorts and all this stuff. And hey, go for it. Like it. Do what you want to do with it. Honestly, I don't want to get in the way of someone else's good time. But when you start going as far as saying, how can I say that, man? I wish sports media was not 24 hours so you didn't have to fill it with some garbage that you put in there. Gardner Minshew is nowhere close to being as good as Jalen Hurts. We need to just stop it. And I've heard conversation, whether it's, I'm good with players saying it, trying to pump them up, but when I hear actual analysts or alleged analysts say it on TV. Makes me want to throw up. Because all you're doing is just telling on yourself or telling on yourself. Whether it's one of them, you know which one I'm talking about, or the other one that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Figure out which one, because you're telling on yourself either way. Um, but because Gardner Menchu can effectively play football, he is a good backup slash spot starter, but really more of a backup. I think that the Eagles will hold a line. They'll be able to run the ball against the Cowboys because they can't stop the run. They do a lot of misdirection stuff. The only thing that's going to be missing from the packages is the real QB run. They'll still be able to do some of the read option stuff, just some of it, and it'll actually probably be somewhat effective, especially if they do it away from Parson because um, he's fast enough to recover off the BS uh, with a guy like Minshew. And now the Eagles winning this one 27-24. Um... Again, if if Dak Prescott, I mean, if, if Jalen Hurts was playing against Dak Prescott in the way that everyone on that team's playing right now, I have the Eagles by 14. 
I really would. So anyway, Eagles by three here. Uh, Cowboys are four, uh, four and a half point favorites. I put a confidence level of five on this. And the reason I'm putting it as pick them, even though I have the Eagles winning this, is because Gardner Minshew is the quarterback. When you hear the word gunslinger come out about a person who also is not like Josh Allen type talented, that can lend itself to you turn the ball over. I'm picking the score off of them playing a clean game on both sides. If Gardner Minshew throws three picks, which is definitely in the realm of possibility, even though he generally doesn't throw picks, but it's in the realm of possibility, right? Putting the ball just close enough for it to be tipped, you know, he doesn't outright throw interceptions right to people, but putting it somewhere where it can be tipped and it's picked off. That's when I think the Cowboys can win and cover that four and a half. That's why I'm unsure. It's just with a with a with a new quarterback, you never know how that whole thing's gonna go. If Minshew, if this was like his second or third game as a starter, I would feel really confident about them covering that four and a half. But for now, it's a you pick it. I would lean towards the Eagles covering that though. Uh, the over-under is 47 uh, points. I have 51 combined, so I have the over. And I have a confidence level of three on that. Similar situation as far as the covering. This could end up being a tighter game where they play closer to the vest on both sides. I think that they have to play loose. I think the Eagles have to play a little bit loose because I think the Cowboys are going to play loose. So that's why I have a confidence level of three on it uh, because tight to the vest is a, is a possibility. All right. Speaking of a team from Pennsylvania, we're going to move on to another team from Pennsylvania. Playing the late game, Sunday night, well, the Saturday night game in this instance, uh, the Raiders at the Steelers. Um, This one is simple to me. I'm going to pick the coach. Go on Mike Tomlin. It's just simple to me. I'm going Mike Tomlin. Uh, I have nothing that I want to say about the analysis for this game other than Mike Tomlin. Uh, Steelers 20, Raiders 19. Uh, Steelers are actually two-point favorites here. Now, guys, level two on it. I don't know what the hell they expect from this game, but I'm just going to pick Mike Tomlin. Uh, Over-under is 38. I have a combined score of 39, so technically I have the over. Confidence level of three because I have no clue what's going to go in this game. All I'm going to do is pick Mike Tomlin. We're going to move forward to uh, Christmas Day, Sunday games. There's three on the slate. There is a 1 p.m., a 4.30, and an 8.20. So with the 1 p.m. game, it is what should be a pretty entertaining game and one from one of my good friends, Ryan Mackman. Uh, excellent game for him because he can't lose. Uh, he is a Packers fan by birth and a Dolphins fan by um, location when he was coming up. think I got that right, Ryan. Feel free to correct me if you hear the pod. Uh, so the Packers are visiting the Dolphins. Look, I'm going to look at it like this. Each of these teams have a propensity to do some, some uh, odd stuff, right? The Dolphins love to give up the big play for no apparent reason, especially in the passing game. The Packers love to let you run the ball down their throats like they invited you. Um, The problem here is I think A.J. Dillon won't play. I don't know if he's cleared or not, so I'm going off of what I know right now. And if he's not clear to play, I like this score, which is the Dolphins winning this one 27-21. I think they're the better team or at least the more explosive team. I do trust Aaron Rodgers to manage a closer game than Tua, but I don't feel like this game will be as close as the score says if they don't have A.J. Dillon to effectively wear down the other team and allow Aaron Jones to be Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has to get like 25 carries in this game. He can do it. It just doesn't feel right. 
Uh, the Miami Dolphins are three and a half point favorites. Abcom is a level of five that um, they will cover this. It's the half point. If it was three, I'd go a little higher. If it was two and a half, I'd go even higher. This is what betting's about. It's about understanding what outcomes are probably going to be. That three and a half gives me a little bit of heartburn, even though I have the winning by six. So that's why I say it's more of a pick'em. Um, 49 points is the over/under. I technically have the under at 48. I'm kind of level two on this. I think that this game, especially if the conditions are right, can be a shootout. I actually, when I was doing my uh, fantasy football spot, my uh, not really long shots, but basically long shots. The guys who I think will be on your rosters that could have massive days and both finish in the top five of their respective positions. Raheem Mostert, because I think he can probably run wild in this game, wild in this game. And I think that Christian Watson can have a big over-the-top play. He can end up with like four for 140 and two touchdowns. All right, 430 game. We're looking at the Broncos at the Rams. I really do not want to talk about this game other than to say you're having two defenses that are playing really good football. The Broncos are playing stellar football. You have two quarterbacks that honestly, I don't trust either right now. Kind of even like oddly shaped the same, making the same exact mistakes. Can throw the ball deep to the uh, to the outside uh, pretty damn well, but a lot of the design is to the intermediate portion of the field, in the middle of the field, and that's not their strengths. So, I have the Broncos winning this one 17-12. This one, I expect a crap ton of field goals for no apparent reason, just silly stuff in this game. Uh, Broncos are three-point favorites. I have them covering here, but I only have a conference level of three on this. They just feel like they don't win games by more than three points. So, meh. And then the over-under is 36.5. I have the under here. Now, I have a conference level of seven on that because, honestly, I don't trust Russell Wilson, and I damn sure don't trust Baker Mayfield. Actually, I damn sure don't trust Rick, make, uh, trust Russell Wilson and damn sure don't trust Baker Mayfield. I trust Jalen Ramsey. I trust Patrick Sertan. I trust these defenses. All right, last two games. Going with the 820 game on Christmas Day. A treat for the people who I know from Tampa because you get to play against Trace McSorley. You lucky, lucky folks. Because if it was Kyler Murray, I'll be honest, you all lose this game. If it was Colt McCoy, this is a competitive game. Trace McSorley, it's not his fault. That young man's going to come out and compete. I like Trace McSorley. I liked him when he was in college. I didn't think he was going to be an NFL caliber quarterback and I still don't think he's an NFL caliber quarterback as an actual starter. As a backup sure it'll be in the NFL um, so this might get ugly especially with the type of uh, players that they have on their defense the quickness they have and the closing ability I have the Bucks winning this one 24 to I'm being generous here and giving them 13 I think that James Conner can effectively run the ball but yes Bucks 24 Cardinals 13 in this particular matchup Bucks are 7.5 point favorites that's an ugly number, but because of the circumstances, unless Tom Brady really has just lost his mind and is no longer good at football and hit that Peyton Manning wall from, I believe it was 2014, uh, the last four games of his season when he became terrible, unless that's the case, they should cover this. So I have a conference level of eight on it. The over-under is 40.5. I have the under here with 37 combined points. So I have a conference level of six. I think the under should hit. The only way I see it not hitting is if there's some sort of turnover issue. And again, possible with McSorley playing against Brady, who's been throwing picks recently for no apparent reason. In the last game on the slate, 
Monday Night Football on December 26th. It will pit the Los Angeles Chargers against the Indianapolis Colts. This one to me is pretty simple. The better team with a more talented quarterback and more talented players is the Chargers. It is at the Colts' place. I'm giving a lot of credit here to the Chargers. I have them winning 24-16. I feel like with, I believe it's Nick Foles starting now because Matt Ryan's been benched. He's mentally spent. I think he's going to retire because that poor man has been tortured. Like, I hate comparing things to war, but he's going to have flashbacks of the Super Bowl and then losing a 33-freaking-point lead. 33-0. He had to be benched. Mentally. I don't think he can do it anymore. Then Sam Ellinger was going to start, but then they realized they saw Sam Ellinger and said, I don't think that we can do that to everyone who wants to watch football. And the NFL probably put in a call and said, no, play Nick Foles. So maybe Nick Foles finds lightning in a bottle. I don't think so, but he is competent. That's a great thing. I'm not making a joke here. Nick Foles is a competent quarterback. He is a professional quarterback. So he has an opportunity to make this game close. Maybe even win it, depending on the breaks. But I still think the Chargers pull this one out. Again, 24-16 is my score. I think that they effectively move the ball with Nick Foles, but then he's going to be risk-averse, and probably they bog down in the red zone and kick field goals. Chargers are only four-point favorite here, which is a wow. And I think it's just because of playing the conditions and also not taking them seriously. That does play into stuff. No matter what people want to say, that happens. I have a confidence level of seven that the Chargers are going to uh, cover that four-point spread. I just think that they'll go for touchdowns while the the Colts will go for field goals. Or, if they do try to go for it, I just don't think they'll be able to get fourth downs. Over-under is 45 and a half. I have the under because I have a combined score of 40. So I have a confidence level of six on that. I think that they should probably be under that. No Jonathan Taylor. They're going to use Zach Moss and this whole, like, trio of running backs. I just... I just don't know. So, yeah, that's that. I do want to make one comment because I was listening to a podcast earlier of someone who uh, I like listening to their podcast. It frustrates me how much they use uh, advanced metrics to try to prove points. But many times I enjoy a podcast. I think I've said this before. I listen to it pretty regularly. I think that it's well put together. I think it's well structured. And I, I snicker at the names of each of the podcasts. Right. If you're not familiar, just go check out our podcast, right? Okay. They're talking about the Texans, and what really did piss me off is the most recent guest was saying, or that when the next coach gets there, they're push, pushing Lovey Smith out the door already. And I'm like, this is some fucking bullshit. Listen, man, I've already described how my advanced metrics work, which aren't that advanced. It's against the spread. Are you supposed to win any of these games? Oh, you're competing and doing well, and this team has progressively gotten better throughout the season and has been at the doorstep of winning, but again, has had to play Jeff Driscoll at points. Man, listen. You already see that the the, the writing's on the wall. People are trying to set this up where Lovey Smith gets fired. And I don't think that that guy is rooting for Lovey Smith to get fired. It's just, that's the thought. It's already happened. You only get two seasons. You just get this one with this roster. A roster less put together than Detroit's was last year. And they gave Dan Campbell a chance. 
which rightfully so, I believe that they should. And I believe they should give Blubby a chance. If they were getting blown out and looking silly, I understand. If it was even with David Cully when they let him go, I understood that only on the basis that David Cully didn't have a track record. That's the only defensible thing. This is a Super Bowl participating coach. What are we doing? So just be mindful of the stuff you say. And I am mindful of the stuff I say even when I say something that sounds all brand because I'll actually wear the stuff that I say. If you listen to me, I'm consistent on the stuff that I say. I gave Baker Mayfield crap for several years telling people that I did not believe in him, not that his talent wasn't there, that how he was doing stuff wasn't good enough. Funny part is, and I'm hopeful that this is true, it feels a little different for him in LA. Maybe he needed to get punched in the throat. He had that entitlement in Cleveland. Then they kicked him to the curb for a better quarterback, albeit a dude who has his issues. Then he went to, to, to Carolina. And they kicked him to the curb because he was losing out to dudes that don't have as much talent as him. And I think maybe, just maybe, he finally got punched in the face and is shedding some of that foolishness. I'll root for a dude like that if he's actually turned that corner because it feels a little bit like he is. Zach Wilson ain't there yet. He's just starting his journey. He's got to really turn this corner. And it might take him going to another team and not just going to another team, maybe being out the league for, for a little bit as far as a starter. You might need to sit for quite a bit. All right, folks, that's Turf Talk Thursdays um, being done on Friday, December 23rd. Uh, this is episode 11 of the show and season two of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, I don't want to be too hokey, too corny or anything like that, but definitely enjoy as much time as you can with your loved ones or your loved one, which is yourself. Love yourself. Give yourself a chance, believe in yourself, and be easy on yourself. You need a break sometimes. You really do. Give yourself a break. Take care, folks. Bye-bye.